and welcome back to the Overtime Leader Podcast. Yes, we are still running the podcast. I know I have not done as many as I would have liked, but that is soon going to change. I am your host, Jillian Davis, founder of Overtime Leader and author of First Time Leader. And today I am joined by Heather Taylor Portman, who is a returning guest on the podcast. Heather is our programs director at Overtime Leader, as well as one of our associates. And we have done a lot of exciting work this year. And we figured it would be really interesting as kind of a year in review podcast uh, to spend some time um, playing back some of the insights that we've got, what we've learned, um, and what we're thinking about as we go into 2020. So welcome, Heather. Welcome back. Hello. Hello. Um, thanks so much for having me back on the podcast. And I'm glad that we could squeeze this in before the year is over. Um, it's always nice to look back and think about all the good things that we've got done. So thanks for having me. Very true. Very true. Actually, everyone, take that as a piece of advice. Take a few moments before you pack up for Christmas to do a little reflecting on how far you've come this year because this year went by unusually fast. Fast. And I am trying not to get caught up in the end of your race to the end. Try to slow things down. Yeah, I really loved your um, newsletter actually recently. You did a final four, so how you can make the most of the last four weeks of the year. And I have forwarded it to quite a few people (laughs) Um, because I I really sort of, I feel like it's so easy to get swept up in that um, everything has to happen before Christmas and then everything's crammed into the first week of the year and actually let's just take a breath. So love that. Just another month. (laughs) January is just another month. Um, Okay, so we thought that we would start this podcast off in kind of a different vibe by doing a... um, Pacey, like hot seat, hot seat, <laughs> um, quick fire round of some of the best like bits of this year. So I'm gonna, Heather, I'm gonna ask you, don't overthink, which is a huge problem for me, but don't <laughs> overthink. Um, let's start with what were your highs and lows this year? High, um, probably high and low, both the same, traveling. So I went to loads of countries in Europe all during the coldest months um, but definitely the low is always the traveling a lot and um, time and energy that that takes um, but the high is just being in rooms full of amazing creative people who want to get things done so lots of work post-workshop high feelings so and what have you learned from these highs and lows Mm, okay, so I think it was a pretty bumpy lesson learned by the end of Q1, so mm-hmm. probably around Easter, I just had to have a break. Um, I definitely overdone it. Um, I um, also learned a really nice sort of mindfulness exercise around gathering your energy back when you've been doing a lot of traveling, mm-hmm. um, which I, I went to a really cool live event and someone shared that with us. And so I've been trying to practice that a little more. So the practical side is that I've ceased doing quite so much travel. Um, we're really doing amazing stuff with being more remote friendly um, and just settling back into London life a bit more <laughs> and reducing your carbon footprint. So, uh, yeah, that's my lesson learned big time. And what's one thing you've changed your mind about? Mindfulness, actually. <laughs> um, it's been one of those, it's like yoga has also just got me recently. I have been so resistant or feel like I'm just not good at this. Um, and I really don't think that's true. It's a practice. So there are lots of parts of our job, which I think are considered a practice. So facilitation and coaching are both those kinds of things. And to be a mindful facilitator and a mindful coach is um, really important to me now. So that has, sorry, it's not very original, um, but it is, I have actually changed my mind about the potential of mindfulness. Very personal. So thank you for sharing that. And lastly, what are you most excited about in 2020? Ooh, um, I think I'm just really excited to see where coaching takes me, actually. I've, I've just got so much energy from working one-on-one with people um, this year. So um, really, really looking forward to seeing um, who I meet and 
who I work with in, in 2020 on a one-to-one basis. Um, yeah, nice. that's me. Cool. Okay, can I fire them back at you? Go for it. Okay, so Gillian, what were your highs and lows of 2019? Um, highs, I think uh, building the team. So that has been really fantastic and bringing on some, uh, well, working more with you uh, and bringing, yeah, just people from really interesting backgrounds and being able to like expand my own thinking. Mm. Um, and another big high is uh, the ability I have had to spend uh, with my family back in Montreal. Um, and um, yeah, I have met yeah some really amazing people this year and I've kind of committed, I've had a bit more space to learn and to kind of engage in different ways with different people. And that has been very, very, um, yeah, enriching. Um, Lowe's, <laughs> I think it's been a roller coaster. As an entrepreneur, there's always ups and downs. And um, yeah, I think some of the lows this year have been, you know, clients changing my, their minds at the last minute and having to like stay stay resilient and confident that we're doing the right thing and we're going to find the right people. Um, but I, I keep, every time I speak to an entrepreneur, it is really like the common, that's the life, life of running a business is dealing with those lows when they happen and, and really leveraging the highs. So yeah, I think I've probably had way more lows this year, but I can't, my, my way of dealing with stuff is just to focus on the highs. <laughs> Yeah, you really feel it at the time, but it's all it all disappears into the distance. Exactly. It? What have your lessons learned been from those? Big lesson for me happened when we started. Like we brought in I think, three people at once at the end of towards the end of the year, and like I obviously talk about you know team building and team dynamics and your leadership style all the time, <laughs> um, but it this actually caught me off guard, and I found myself very quickly going into a one-to-one relationship with everyone in the team when I realized, you know, I actually had to, to create a team around me and get them to start talking to each other and really forgot how much time and effort and thinking that takes mm-hmm. um, and actually saw some of the consequences of not doing that well pretty early uh, where like, you know, just forgetting to include someone in an email thread and then having to like go back and have the same conversation um, so yeah, I mean, very much having to eat my own dog food as I build the business and build the team around it. Yeah, it's been so cool to watch that team grow. <laughs> yes, so it's, yeah, it's been awesome. Um, and what have you changed your mind about? So much. Um, so I think a big this at the start of this year, I actually was quite. Um, I remember being really stressed out about some of our client work and the role that we played in that work. And what I've changed my mind about that I think has really enabled us to be better at what we do is to let go of being accountable to the outcome. Um, Very often we're doing, we're trying to get people to change their behaviors and you actually can't take accountability for that. Mm -hmm. And I was getting really frustrated when people weren't moving at a pace that I was like, come on, we we can do this. Um, But actually everyone needs time to learn their own lessons. And if we remind ourselves to come in as that coach teacher um, role and just help them, encourage them, give them confidence that they can. Uh, we can be, we can serve them a lot better. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think as someone who defaults sometimes into controlling, um, <laughs> it, I had to change my mind um, about you know letting go. Um, and then the other thing that I've changed my mind about big time in the past few months is being visible. Uh, so I have consciously stayed behind the scenes, um, both, I think I rationalize this because it's a fear of stepping out on stage or writing more and whatever. Um, but the reality is we have so much cool shit to share. Um, I need to do that more. I need to get over my fears and, you know, t- bring these insights to life because they're super, super helpful for people, uh, across any industry. And what's getting you excited when you think ahead to next year? Um, so a lot. Uh, one, so getting over my fear of getting out. So, you know, expect to get a lot more podcasts, um, a lot more newsletters, a lot more seeing me um, around. And I would really like to enable the team to also share their insights as well, because we all have a really different take on everything because of where we've come from. Um, so, yeah, so sharing more about what we do at Overtime and what we're learning. Um, 
spending, again, I think keeping this remote friendly work enables me to go be close to my family, spend more time with my family and really focus on what matters. Um, yeah. And I think, again, just more exciting work. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be a good year. I can feel it. Okay. So we want to talk today about the work that we've done. And one of the big things that we launched this year was a management program called uh, Scale Up Management. So it was very much designed for um, fast growing, high change businesses. Um, and that we've learned a lot, haven't we? Yes. Through that. Yes. So it's been our first kind of program product that we've been that we've put out there and we've had some absolutely gorgeous groups of people go all the way through the program this year and we're getting really fantastic feedback but this all kind of came to life quite a long time ago so mm. when we kicked off officially in January it was really quick after the new year I remember because this is where I, January 8th yeah it was I, I was firing myself off to Amsterdam straight after the year and getting stuck in and, and I, I went on holiday <laughs> while Julia went on holiday this is all about letting go yeah um but I I thought it'd be really nice to start off by asking you a little bit about how the program has come to life and sharing a bit more about the content that's in the program so um what what's the story? Where did it where did it come from? So, well, obviously, like when when I wrote First Time Leader, um, God, that was almost that was five years ago, maybe six. Math is not yeah. my strong thing. What's changed in that time? Yeah, a lot has changed. But the whole like ethos of writing that book was I found that kind of modern management was being underserved, and a lot of what was being put out was like same old same old stuff. Um, and then working in a company like us two, which was very much, I would consider a scale up environment, um, you know, nothing, nothing that I had ever known in corporate was in us two. It was a very different culture and rightfully so. Um, but it does come with a level of like chaos where managers are not always equipped to know how to, to deal with all the situations that come with running teams. The other thing that I picked up in that experience was how working with technology changes very much how we approach like a project. So moving away from quote unquote waterfall and being more agile also needs to shift how we manage others. Um, And it was um, really insightful. Uh, And then I started working with executives in different scale ups and found that they were fighting a lot of fires that for me were very common sense. Um, and they were fighting fires of their of their direct reports um, because the direct reports ha- never had any training. And that's, so this is, um, so these are like executive people within a, a, a kind of a startup that's grown to a, a significant size and yeah. they are now the manager of managers. Yes, okay. exactly. So they've, so like they've grown fantastic. They've like built in a second layer of management, amazing. No one has trained those managers and very often even the top layer either hasn't gone through any formal management training or they're bringing practices from like the corporate environment and it just doesn't land in the right way um so you basically just have like inefficient practices and no role models um and very i what i think i was most surprised in on how how like basic some of the lessons needed to learn and it's not a criticism like I don't I think we make assumptions just because we promoted someone they'll understand how to interview properly like this just doesn't it's so silly it's kind of like you've been to an interview and therefore yeah you probably know what a good one was (laughs) exactly you made it in so but it's yeah there's so many gaps that can come up and it really isn't and it's all moving so fast isn't it yeah yeah and then we just and I think also like the nature of that environment we tend to just react, react, react. We never take a moment to reflect. We never take a moment to think about, hey, how's my management style doing? How is my team doing? What impact do I have? And it just, it was like so, I could, I was just seeing it in every company that I was, scale up company that I was working in. And I was like, you know, I didn't really want to do management training, but I could do this with my eyes closed. Like I have the tools, I have the knowledge. Um, why don't we put put one together. So that's when I met with Heather and said, listen, we talked a lot about this when we worked together. Us two, like, let's bring it back and turn it into something real. 
I had also been doing a lot of leadership programs and so I'd been kind of practicing, like playing around with some um, frameworks and tools that I could see responded really well or were useful and what kind of didn't blend. Yeah, it's been so fun to come in and have that sort of program view on all this amazing content that has been, that we've both used, but you in particular used in this context um, in different pieces. So it's often that someone will say, I mean, to me or to you, like, oh, we have a problem with feedback or, Mm -hmm. oh, we need help with our hiring process. And actually taking the same group of people through that and bringing it all together has, means that we can kind of make something that's coherent for people mm. to go through. So what, in terms of the modules that we've ended up with, yeah. what's in there? So that we kick off with managing change. And that is super intentional and something I refuse to budge on because if you are in a scale-up, and actually I'll say if you're in um, some corporates too that are being quite disruptive, you are in constant change nothing like the past i remember when i worked in corporate things moved at a very slower pace and things were quite predictable and my god i did not have to think about like a change management comms at all like things changed maybe once a quarter it was like the type of tea we were gonna get (laughs) um and that was a memo but like change is just the water you're swimming in at the scale up and and so we'd start with change to really help managers kind of have that awareness of what a high change environment has on you as a human um, and what that means for your energy, your resilience, but also what that means for you as a manager and how you need to give people confidence, guidance, direction, even when you're not totally sure what it is either. So finding that confidence on a very shaky platform. Uh, So we start with change management, then we talk about management styles, and that's really about thinking about how we show up, are we showing up in the right way, do we need to shift our behaviors uh, moving on to hiring. So, you know, how do you build a team? And I think a lot of managers, you know, hiring is a really nice linear process, but we really get into, you know, setting up a job description so that you're not just copying, pasting, or you're not just hiring for, you know, a very generic role, but really thinking about the type of person and mindset that you need to bring into the team down to it. Then how do you build an interview team across your organization? Uh, we have a module on team dynamics. So another thing that I feel managers and leaders don't always take a lot of responsibility for is the dynamics in their team and the role that they play in helping create feedback culture and you know, not jumping in every time there's a problem and fixing it, but really creating an environment where the team learns to you know, figure things out on their own. We have a performance management module, which I mean, I think is self-explanatory, um, but very much on how you have sometimes very tricky conversations with people, how you set goals, how you give them that clarity so you can take the discomfort or it's not, that's not always possible, but you can like, you know, manage it in a way that it doesn't have to be super sticky and uncomfortable. Uh, And we have a stakeholder management um, module as well. Yeah, there's some really um, interesting ways that we've looks at modules in terms of when we're working with a cohort of people who are more individual contributors so in in those cases we had um people who maybe wouldn't have been so involved in the hiring process but actually there were other skills that they needed to learn and so we also introduced the facilitation Mm. um styles module which i thought was really cool because that's such an important skill for managers. Um, but um, the other thing I was I was curious about is whether there's like a certain kind of person that you see scale-up management really benefiting. Because obviously we've talked about those two. So you've kind of got the fast hiring manager who's growing their team and everything's happening very quickly. And then you've got the individual contributor who is maybe manager level. Maybe they're a product manager. Yeah. Um, and yeah. their role's quite different. But who else is who else is it for? So what was really interesting this year is that we were able to run kind of like different cohorts with different groups. So we did a couple of cohorts with, you know, the kind of profiles that you just mentioned. So like manage middle managers who had a lot of responsibility coming up on their shoulders and needed to get the tools in place and product owners, product managers, individual contributors. But we also did a cohort of a mix of founders and like C-level reports, both of whom were like a chief operational role. And that was really interesting to see how that landed because obviously when I put this together, I wasn't thinking of founders in mind, but obviously 
a lot of founders have not necessarily managed teams that size before and could benefit from um, best practices in how to run run teams. And what we found in that one was it was really the the operating the operators that really loved it. Like they so this is like the COO kind of people. Exactly. Yeah. COO, even um uh, head of people. Uh, they just like I would say lapped it up and was so thankful for mm-hmm. you know taking very uh, sometimes quite complex topics that they often don't get the time to think about and breaking that down into a really um, applicable way that they could also then go and share back with their founders or their teams um, and I think what I've noticed is that you know founders and rightfully so are very much externally focused. Mm-hmm. So they're either, you know, looking for uh, more customers, um, they're out doing press, or they're looking to raise their next round. Um, and it's the operators that are obviously internal focused. So usually, and as a former operator, um, feel the brunt of, you know, poorly managed people that are disengaged, unhappy um, you know, with the bad HR practices that then HR or ops needs to clean up. What I really liked in, in that cohort um, was just, uh, yes, it was interesting because normally that group of people maybe would have been doing leadership training. And this yeah. is very much not that. It's, it's definitely management training. Um, and it's it's a um, group-based experience. So when we're actually in the sessions that I'm facilitating, it's not about training so it's not it's not a classroom so yes. we have a quite a flip model yeah. but um, it's the conversations that happen so by having those different people in the room um, having different founders and different CIOs what conversations are allowed to happen mm. um, and I, I wondered if you had anything to say about the kind of key relationships that happen at that level yeah well I think that's like you know very often when we're working in these environments we can feel quite isolated like myself included, as a solo founder, you know, yeah, I'm surrounded by amazing people, but sometimes I forget to tap into them. And creating this community, you know, who are together over the course of 14 weeks on a biweekly basis, so it's not too intensive, um, but create, and, and this is what I think is amazing in like your facilitation style and really, really important to this program, is creating the safe environment for people to talk about things openly. And, you know, we all have different views on how we think people should be treated. And yeah, we might disagree with someone else's style, but to be able to talk about that and to be able to talk about, um, you know, hey, I tried this and this really messed up or here's something I used to do that I regret um, was a fantastic way for them, I think, to one, create bonds, two, to not feel alone. And that's whenever I've read the post course feedback, for either you know the founder cohort or the um, management cohort, one of the biggest benefits that keeps coming back is I don't feel as alone as I did before. Yeah. It's so that I found so interesting. Even in our in our really mixed cohorts of middle managers, we've pretty much always had an ops person or people who so you'll have um, designers who are managers and you'll have engineers who are now managers. You might also have kind of a people function person in there. Um, and I and, and also we have um, even within those middle management sort of different tiers. You might have a VP mm. in the mix as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, and so it's not to say that because you've had some experience you now know everything. There's there's this really interesting thing that happens when people are sharing their own stories mm. and you notice that people who are doing very different jobs day to day yeah thinking oh I've done that too or <laughs> oh it's not just me who thinks that's weird or yeah. feels unconfident in that and for me like witnessing those moments or making space for those moments is just golden I love it what's been really fun like not to toot our own horn too much but something I'm learning to do so <laughs> um, <laughs> toot away toot away uh what's been really fun is you know I made a lot of assumptions when we designed this around what impact I'd want it to have. Mm. Um, And some of those were, you know, having mixed cohorts within a business will create a peer network that they will go to. So check that's happened. We've had one cohort that's had dinner every quarter together. And when some of them are feeling a bit, you know, intense and crazy, they'll, they'll reach out to each other to talk about it. And I think that's a fantastic it's such a benefit in working in these environments. Like yeah, I know that from experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, two, that we give them tools that they can use 
over and over again and I've checked in with you know a significant amount of cohorts and they are you know the like workbooks are literally at their desk and they'll go to them quite regularly or they'll share them out um, share them out to their teams and three an increase in confidence and that's another thing I've seen in the feedback um, both in a qualitative way but in a quantitative way um, that, that I think if you feel more confident as a manager you will be a better manager. And I know that's a hard thing to measure, but I would say about 95% of our <laughs> attendees have said that their confidence has increased in their ability to manage because they are now equipped uh, with the tools and approaches and also a network of people they now can go to to check in before they might do something they later regret. Yes. <laughs> and and so thinking about that and about kind of what your assumptions were when we started to develop it as a program, is there anything that you thought would be true or anything else that you that maybe hasn't been quite as you expected or that you might change in the future? Because I know we're always kind of iterating and making it better. Um, I think like some of the feedback we get is that it's lengthy mm. and it so but this has been really tricky because I fundamentally do not believe in like two day management courses. Now, over I know time, <laughs> like leadership is learned over time. And I know we have a one day course, but it's definitely not a fix all. And I make sure to say that it's an overview, not a certificate. Um, and I think we have to learn how to manage that message so that people don't see the time commitment as a deterrent. Mm. Um, and the other thing that I think is really interesting is, you know, we're in an industry that's very full. There's a, there, like the world is not short of leadership and management training. And from my own personal experience, some of that is not very inspiring. It's tried and tested and it's not engaging. And it is very much a um, teacher student environment. Mm-hmm. And so we often have to overcome these kind of perceived, like the biases because of people's experiences and kind of make them more co- like it's not like that. Yeah, our it's not being approach. sent away on management training and it's going to be really dry. Yeah. Yeah. Like our, I, one thing that I, actually it's another assumption that I'm like, yes, never, never are we changing this, is that we are not teachers, we are facilitators. We are not experts. We are not saying that this is the way to interview or this is the way to do a one-to-one. We are showing you different ways and we are making you reflect um, both on an individual level and as a group level to think critically about your management style based on your own context Mm. and environment. What of this stuff that we're sharing with you works? What doesn't? What are you resisting? Which is a question I have totally stolen from you. Um, (laughs) So what are you resisting in the content in the like, talk to us about that because it's very likely that those around you are also resisting something and that's really good. Let's unpack that. Um, so very much bringing this kind of like coaching facilitation mindset where obviously we need to steer the course um, or the, the the modules in a way, um, but really getting them to come to their own answers on how they take yes. the stuff forward and apply it in day to day. So I think like I have to celebrate you um, for your facilitation style because it, it is excellent and exactly what I think modern management training needs. Something I really love that has been interesting for me as well which is that you are not someone who's very precious about the content that you write so when you do share your own perspective on something or your own lessons learned you aren't sort of like and this needs to land in this particular way Um, and I do like that as a facilitator you have permission to engage people in in a critical conversation so but it's really going that layer deeper which is Mm. I think the kind of maybe more lasting skill which is to when you're reading a book or when you're you know I I certainly know plenty of leaders who've read one management book and then they're like we're changing our whole organization Mm. to be like Mm. this um it's not very nice on the receiving end of that but I think um I think being able to build those skills and also just to build I think that builds confidence in itself having those kinds of discussions so being able to say like what did I like about this or what did I what did I resist in this and then or why is that and is that actually illuminating or interesting um and it's and and I have to do that too you know I have to kind of do that with the content I'm digesting yeah and it's and I do think it's kind of we are in our own bubbles you know I, I live in 
hand-wringingly lovely facilitator land. So um, it's easy to um, to think that everyone's thinking about people stuff as much as I am and actually engaging process thinkers or um, people who are much more closely looking at the finances of business. Um, I love having those conversations. So having these mixed cohorts and having permission from you to kind of interrogate the content in that way has been really cool oh, awesome well why don't you i mean you i i will say i wasn't on the ground <laughs> so i made a point when i designed this because i also be very mindful about scaling over time and scaling the business that i could not be at every scale up and actually design scale up so i wouldn't be at any of them and heather has been on the ground running these programs so i would love to hear from you around what you know like what was it like what did you learn yeah. What surprised you? What did you resist? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's um, it's funny the modules and the, with the different cohorts where you think, oh, I love this module, or um, the last cohort really got stuck into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing something. So something that we haven't mentioned is that each um, program has a um, kind of bookend of workshops. So we do much longer workshops, more in depth. Um, and, and we do have different configurations of the program, but this is something most people have gone through. So we spend a day together at the beginning and a day together at the end. And what's so funny to me is I would have I had two that were running con- almost concurrently, and so I did the workshop with one group and then did it with another. And um, this exercise that had gone perfectly smoothly with the first group um, just didn't like just didn't <laughs> land. And there was this really. Um, I mean, by that point, this is at the end of the program, you've got quite a good relationship with people. We know each other. And we we can also have an honest conversation. So it, it's possible for people to feed back and say, oh, it's not quite working for me. Or for me to say, "What's where are we getting stuck? Or should we look at this from a different angle? And it was a real... Um, sometimes in your development, I think you have these like little jumps. And it was a real jump for me to sort of feel I mean it's a thing that I've learned from my my coaching school that I went to at Barefoot we talk a lot about that sort of sense of staying with the not knowing and I loved um staying with the not knowing with this group and so I was able to say oh well this isn't let's look at what's going on here like this isn't working and just having those moments where you can just take a like a zoom out Mm. second so that was that was really good I think in terms of facilitation as a whole um and the kind of task as a facilitator it's very different to um when I'm working with a group who are trying to get a piece of work done, for instance. So that takes maybe a slightly different stance. Um, what I like about these sessions is that it's a mix. So in each session, we do our usual checking out. That's quite reflective. It's about bringing all voices into the space. Um, and then we'll everyone will go off into smaller groups to do... Um, more detailed reflection and I think um, pretty much every week we'll also then start to um, practice something that's come from the packs that Mm -hmm. we have so um, so each module there'll be a really straightforward um, takeaway tool so in some I think one of the modules I counted how many tools it had and it had like eight or nine um, things that you could take away and use should you choose to (laughs) it was I think might be hiring because that's the one that you've got so many great tips on Um, but basically every week there's something and so to kind of build that confidence we'll get together and we'll go through it Um, and the facilitation there is often just observing and seeing what's going on and seeing how people are using it and then asking the right questions mm. um, and making sure that the group can also ask each other questions and support yeah. each other. So it's all about building that muscle. Um, and I think um, also a big part of it, I think, is when you're thinking about the context that these people are coming from. So really rushed, often very hard to make space for your development, hard to look ahead too far, um, because everything's changing so mm-hmm. much. There's a lot of pressure. And I think to commit and carve out the time to come along for two hours, because each workshop that we do on the programme, the normal workshops for the modules are two hours. Mm. So they'll need to carve out the time to do their self-study, which can fit in around their work. But this two hours is kind of precious. And yeah. people turn up on time. We, you know, in terms of the... Um, 
the things that you might often see in those work contexts where people are a bit late for a meeting and everyone's mm. a bit sort of rushed and don't put their laptops away, people did really respect the space. Mm. And I think um, just making it like two hours of like all killer, no filler time, <laughs> yeah. it's like once you've done that once in the, you know, in the managing change module, people get it and then yeah. each week's kind of builds on that. So that has been something I've really loved about yeah. being in that context um, but I think that takes uh, you have there's a lot of kind of intangibles absolutely um, I mean something you've said reminded me of when I was running my um, like general assembly classes and used the same you know I would say I'm not a teacher so don't expect this to be like what you would expect at school because I don't I don't know how to do that um, but there were moments where like the audience took the conversation over and I remember people looking at me like, oh, God, you know, like, just bring it back, bring it back. You know, <laughs> this is, how are you letting them take so much space? But actually, like, that's where the beauty is. And very often, in my experiences in these learning programs, we're never really asked, you know, like, or encouraged to talk amongst ourselves about what we're seeing and what we're learning. And that's really when you get that self-reflection, like, yeah, it's great to self-reflect in your own time, but to do it with like two or three people that are also experiencing your world, really then you get that deeper level. Yeah, and to, practice, and to practice like really listening to each other as well. Because mm. I think sometimes in those, um, there's something performative sometimes in that teacher yeah. standing yes. in front situation. I mean, we often find ourselves sitting, sitting down yeah. and, you know, and those there are different ways that you can use yourself as a practitioner in that yeah. way. But I think... Um, that that sort of uh, making space, but also you are there as a sort of supervisor. Yeah. And it stops, it does help people have the conversation they need to have at that time. And um, I think that means that while you're not, you're not diving in and you're not like managing it too heavily, but it means that maybe a conversation that wouldn't normally be had gets had. Um, yeah, invaluable. That's good to see. Yeah. So one thing I'm curious myself, to know is like you said these were cohorts very often of like engineers designers people from sales marketing operations you had like pretty much back the whole mix now they we all know i'm sure everyone listening knows how different um perspectives are when you come from these different disciplines Mm. how did you get rapport across such a very group so quickly well I think I mean I certainly can take credit for it I think a lot of the time this is that mainly will be reflected in the culture of the organization mm. so I think we've been really lucky in the clients that we work with um, being people who have um, hired pretty well yeah. in terms of who they've, sure. who they've chosen to be these managers who they've selected who they believe are ready to take this development opportunity for themselves and I think um, I couldn't really take credit for that, um, but I do think that um, a lot of the time, what we're looking for when we think about that building connection is about realizing we've got more in common than we have that yes. separates us, right? Yeah. So um, sometimes the bonding experience can actually be about that exact level, right? So it True. can be well, talking about management styles, for instance, it's very hard not to have a conversation about. The management that you're experiencing, mm. um, but that is a, it's a safe space to have that conversation. It's not a it's not a venting session by any means. We haven't had any really spicy conversations about that, but it's 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 interesting for people to maybe think, oh yeah, no, there is a maybe there is a prevailing management style, but actually when we reflect on it, maybe that style is not the one that we want to inherit or yeah. that we need to use at this moment. So different points of growth there are also different styles that work so there is this real kind of handing over of the baton that happens I think in scale-ups where you it's that letting go moment right so if you are the kind of Mm. early stage team and you've all developed into quite senior roles you hire these new managers to manage the rest of the team and it's you then get this kind of I think probably the later stages when maybe new hires haven't ever met the CEO or the founder. Yeah, yeah. So it's like there's this point where suddenly that distance has created, and I think actually what we're looking at is who's going to take that next stage or what's the culture going to become next. So I don't know. I think um, mm. 
I, I like the idea of helping them connect with the importance of that job. I yes. Yeah, I think that's like something that people might underestimate is, is really that level of responsibility that comes with being a manager, not to stress anyone out, but, <laughs> but you know, like done well, you can really have massive impact both in the short term, but also the long term. You can, you can seriously influence somebody's career by being, by showing up in the right way, by committing to their development and growth. Um, or you can choose, you know, not to invest that time in your, you know, management style, become a micromanager, lose great people. Um, and I think that's what we see very often, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, it can, you know, you can have that slightly, it's a quick, t- we, we talk a little bit, um, you know, one of the difficult conversations that we talk about in performance management is what happens when you do need to let people go. Yeah. Um, but I think um, something that you said there that was interesting to me was um, around the impact that you can have on someone's career when you're their manager. And actually, when we think about these organisations, often the age range, which right or wrong, um, tends to be often people are in their first job or maybe their second job. Mm. And I think if you're managing someone, you're, the influence that you have on what they think management is, is massive. We yeah. all remember our first manager. Um, and so that's something that I think is quite interesting. Like It's your first go at it. Yeah. Also, the people that you're working with, this is all shaping what management is in your company yeah. um, and in people's lives as a whole, right? So I think so. that's something that I always think is like, if you want to get really excited about impact and the kind of knock-on effect, I think mm. catching people at this point in a growing company, bringing them all together, is not um, generally we don't work in a way which is like, lots of different people from different companies it's like usually this is a group of people who are shaping what management is going to become in their company and that i really love yeah that's i yeah that's an amazing way of putting that and i know that some of the feedback we've had from like the exec sponsors which has like warmed my heart is how they can they can tell the managers that have been on it because they feel more empowered to shift like how things are and to create, um, to be part of the change instead of feeling just kind of lost within it and like they don't have a role. Um, and it, I, maybe in a way this gives them that permission, you know, to really stand up and, and like come with solutions. Because mm. uh, what I see very often in, you know, scale-ups and corporates is that there's a lot of expectation that everything should come from the top. And the reality is like, they might not know the answer. And it is kind of one of those sort of open secrets, which is that nobody really knows what they're doing. No, <laughs> no. Um, so it's so I think giving people some like I guess it's more the practical skills of like how do you find the resources you need? How do you um, work out what problem you're trying to solve? And um, I think coming right back to what you were saying about how the content came about and the mm. problem that you were seeing those executive level people really do want to be able to delegate effectively. Yeah. But if that trust isn't there or they don't get the confidence back, yes. um, it's like, that's, I think, hearing the feedback that that was having an impact and that those exec level people were kind of going, this is great because the people who've been on scale-up aren't going to, don't seem overwhelmed by yeah. things yeah. anymore. And I think actually when we're thinking about the context of change, that's a really nice outcome. Yeah. We don't like anxious, overwhelmed people. No, no, it's too much of that. Um, okay, so for those listeners that have not been on Scale Up, what are some of um, your top tips for mm. managers going into 2020? Yeah, so, okay, so I'm thinking, I guess if you've been really... Um, a hot subscriber to Jillian's podcast maybe you are listening to this before we break up for Christmas but probably it might be 2020 already Mm. Um, Happy New Year Happy New Year and if you're um, yeah I think it's really easy to feel um, feel that sense of overwhelm or anxiety about all the things that have to happen so yeah top tips Um, I think uh, vision is a bit of a it's a bit of a cheesy word and it's also um, something that can mean really different things. So vision can mean quite different things when we're thinking about our company. But I think having a vision for yourself um, and what where you're trying to get to, kind of like what's the overarching journey that you're on? And I think really thinking a bit long term, it's really easy to get in that really reactive um, 
or even competitive or comparison kind of space when when you're a, a young or a newly promoted manager in a scale up. So I think um, really do some do some kind of thinking about your vision, so a bit of zoom out time and connect that um, with your long term and your short term goals. Because I think when we think about our year long goals, sometimes we miss the benefit of thinking really short term, like actually what one thing do, do must happen by the end of March mm. um, or maybe just thinking really long term like is this guiding me closer to what I really want I think we both talked about kind of how this year has affected us personally and I think for you for instance making a choice about how do things get me closer to my family yeah um, if you're making your goals all about the one year ahead of you you, you could easily end up quite off course mm. so get get in touch with your vision mm. For people who are um, maybe a bit more simple about their uh, personal development stuff, I really love having word of the year. I know quite a few other people do, um, but I um, I use the word quiet for this year. If you know me, probably you wouldn't believe that. Um, <laughs> but it was more about having a really head down, get the work done kind of year and not yeah. worry so much about um, talking about what's going on. So my... Um, Twitter and Instagram were very quiet indeed this year. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be any more public in the new year, mm. but I think um, it's been it's been a really good experience for me. And I think the um, kind of connected to that, my third tip um, is about as a manager, when do you share what your personal development goals? So my leaning is a little bit more towards transparency. So is if you're trying to get better at something, tell people. Yeah. Um, be conscious around that idea of confidence and people having confidence in you, that how you share that. Um, but if, say, for instance, one of your goals is to have more effective one-to-ones, um, possibly saying um, that it's something that you want to improve Um welcoming really specific feedback so lots of managers I know say got any feedback for me or my door is always open and it's so vague um so I think when you are really specific about the thing you're trying to improve it gives other people permission to give you feedback on that specific thing to help you get better um hopefully that will also guard you from feedback on all the things <laughs> so yeah so have a vision think of a word of the year and also um let people in on what you're developing on mm. how about your top tip so something that i found myself saying over and over again um this year was give yourself leadership time and by that i mean schedule in at least weekly or at least bi-weekly um time in your schedule for you to just reflect on, you know, how you're showing up and think about, you know, maybe some of the uh, non-direct or sorry, the indirect feedback that you might be getting. So what's not being said or what is being hinted. Um, Think, look at patterns that are showing up um, and, you know, make sure that you're not inheriting management styles that are not serving you, right? Mm -hmm. Because like, just because something your previous manager did something in some way doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. And God knows how long that pattern had been repeating. Um, so just like make sure, you know, like going to the gym or meditating, um, give yourself that leadership time to, to stay on top of, of your development. Uh, my second tip is a build a peer network. Um, so this personally really served me when I was an operator in a scale up is just having, you know, a group um, of people that were experiencing the organization in a similar way that I was that I could go and vent to, but could also go and get feedback from and, you know, get like insight on different parts of the organization that they were leading um, that I might not necessarily have because of the role I was in Um, or just to, you know, have someone that you can grab coffee with because I know how easy it can be when you're frustrated or you're, you know, overextended to just start sharing stuff with your team. But I think what you were saying earlier is spot on, like that can negatively influence them in a way that is hard to change. Um, So be very mindful of how you're showing up with your team and giving them that sense of confidence, but have a group that you can go to and kind of just like go, you know, feel off and free to be who you are in that moment. 
Um, and lastly, please prioritize your one-to-ones. Amen. <laughs> Don't cancel those. Yep, I know. Like it is very easy to just go next week, next week, next week, but it will only make December 2020 or whenever you do your year-end reviews more painful. So just do yourself a favor and prioritize your one-to-ones. Yeah, I just, oh, I can't say that enough. I would actually say that prioritizing and protecting the time for your one-to-ones and being consistent across the people in your team. Yeah. So important. I think so easy. I think possibly even with the people who maybe you have a closer relationship with. I mean, yeah. This is like, yeah, no one's got favorite children, but of course you do. Um, there are those people <laughs> no who can't. find it easy to have a comfortable chat with. And sometimes it's easy to say to that person, oh, do you mind if we start late? Or do you mind? And they're more likely to be the person who says, no, that's cool. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. And it's, um, I think you really got to... Um, make time for people and listen be in a headspace where you can listen if you're rushing from one thing to the next you're yeah. probably not going to be present or you're on your laptop yeah absolutely so um mm. i yeah we've been playing around a bit with formats for one-to-ones mm. that um, people like so um yeah yes hard agree jillian <laughs> <laughs> thank you heather uh okay well that is it for us today um so we're really looking forward to 2020 we're working on a lot of exciting things and i think we will um do some more podcasts like this where we share back our insights we are learning a lot about okrs <laughs> oh um, yeah who's doing okay actually that's something i've changed my mind about yes okrs you work are, you are a real okr cynic i was <laughs> um okrs work when teams are committed and disciplined to doing all the rituals that come with that process but if you don't do the rituals they do not work surprise there um but yeah we are learning a lot about okrs we are learning a lot about i think team behaviors um bringing cross-functional teams together to work on you know big projects within organizations um so we're i'm like i think we're both really looking forward and playing this back as I mentioned earlier, we uh, are running a one-day masterclass. I will stress that this is not your leadership fix-all, uh, but if you want to get a jump start on thinking about your leadership style, uh, this is definitely for you. It's a one-day. We go over you know everything from feedback, management styles, um, again, filled with practical tools and tips. Uh, I think that that's can... also like a great taster if you're not sure. I mean, Scale Up Program is quite a commitment. Yeah. Um, if you're not sure if your um, boss is going to sponsor a whole gang of you to do it, this is a really good chance to get a taste of some of our stuff. But there's also no spoilers in there for the whole program. So yeah. you can do both if you decide to use this as a taster session. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, recommend checking that out. And I will be in New York City on January 9th running a leadership masterclass. So if you are listening from New York, uh, do get in touch. Um, you can reach us at info at overtimeleader.com um, or find me on LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever else. Um, and obviously, if you want to know more about the Scale Up Management Program, uh, do get in touch. Um, but we'll be talking more and more about this in 2020. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your time, Heather. Thank you for having me. It's been really pleasure. Fun. I look forward to having you on again. <laughs> and um, yeah, happy holidays. Yes, happy New Year. See you all next year. Bye.